what I would like to do is take you up on your suggestion that we talk about Bruce Springsteen lyrics. I, I have one that follow my logic here, and right. it is related to the show, right? In the 1984 album, Born in the USA, right? The, mm -hmm. the hit song, Glory Days, mm -hmm. he talks about a high school baseball pitcher mm -hmm. who could throw that speedball by you. Make you look like a fool. Yeah, and that lyric has angered me for 38 years. And you know why, right? Because you don't throw a speedball in baseball. You throw a fastball. Well, when the you're the same number of syllables. It's not like, okay, so, all right, go ahead, Mr. Musician. Defend Bruce Springsteen. I will defend, I will defend Springsteen because... You're defending the term speedball. I'm... Welcome, everyone, to Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee. This is the podcast that takes a unique look at the business of sports, sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and sometimes even serious. I'm your co-host, David Paro. And I'm Tim McGee. So college football and the NFL appear to be off to rousing starts. The Jets won a game. So Tim <laughs> exceeded all expectations for the season already with a one-on-one so, -on -one record. <laughs> so something like... I don't know how many games over the last 20 years, over 2,000, I think, something ridiculous, where the, the team losing by 14 points or more in less than two minutes to play lost until Sunday. Yeah. So the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets came through. Wow. So it wasn't just a win. It was a, a unique win, an historical win, we might say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, if you think about it, uh the giants are off to two and oh and the jets are one and one so we're we're playing meaningful games in september <laughs> yeah and you know you got, you got baseball teams seriously in it uh yeah pretty pretty good time to be here in new york obviously other things going on as well the um wnba season concluded it was a record season for them with the las vegas aces beating the connecticut sun three to one this week, of course, also marks the beginning of a very strange President's Cup uh, set to tee off um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, I mean, obviously the business uh, that we work in just never really stops. But let's get to what's really important. Tim, what's on your mind? So I want to start with um, football, um, the ratings, and the production issues that both Amazon and DirecTV have experienced. DirecTV first two weeks of the season having glitches um no excuse for that at this point in the sunday tickets package you can almost forgive it with um amazon right they they had some buffering issues and some some glitches on their first game but um sunday ticket package direct tv come on guys get it together but um well, you I know. think the problems that they were having were on their streaming aspect of the service which of course is is something that you know we're all going to have to deal with more of those than just the satellite. Now I'm assuming they take their their stream feed from the satellite, but would have to have someone with a lot more technology background than than uh, than us to probably explain that precisely. But <laughs> my understanding is it was on that on that streaming side, and it is 
always going to be an issue because we haven't done this at the same type of scale. Uh, that's what's going to be so interesting about the uh, about the Amazon side of things, since it's exclusively streaming, uh, because there have been very few things that have have streamed at the kind of scale that an NFL game generally uh, draws. Yeah, we haven't seen the ratings yet, but uh, according to what I read, uh, Amazon deal with Nielsen, so they are going to be able to get true ratings. Um, they said they expected an average of 12.5 million viewers per game, um, slightly lower than, than last year, but um, still very respectable numbers for, for a Thursday night game. Um, they haven't announced numbers yet, but they did tease by saying that they blew through their expectations. So it'll be very interesting to see what those numbers actually are. Well, a couple other things. Obviously, Amazon is a very unique distributor of a, of a sports property like the NFL, and it's in it for probably slightly different reasons, but it wants to have its numbers there. It is all focused on delivering additional prime membership. And though I didn't see that number either, they have said that they set a record for three-hour um, signups for prime, meaning new memberships. So, um, and at a, like 135 bucks a pop annually, um, yeah. if that if that holds, that's a that's it, once we see the number, it'll be pretty significant to see how they're, um, you know, obviously this being one of the one of the main KPIs. So, you know, we're going to see what uh, what they say when the numbers come out as well and then announce what that number in terms of uh, new signups. Uh, yeah, was. for sure. B bigger than Cyber uh, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Prime Days. Yeah, right. So, you know, and, you know, not only do you get the NFL, you can get laundry detergent delivered <laughs> overnight for that $139 a year. That That's, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. So if you spill your guacamole on yourself while watching the game and jumping up to cheer for your team, you can wash it the next day in the detergent that you have delivered through Amazon Prime. Right. Um, no, I mean, it's just an endless, um, you know, membership benefits there. Oh, are we doing an advertisement for Amazon? Uh, jumping back to the DirecTV situation, they, they did announce today that they're going to make good on the time uh, that was down um, for that, or, or I think give back money, a percentage for that second game. Yeah. Uh, so if you paid what you paid for um, Sunday ticket, um, you'll get a you'll get a percentage of that back since they were having so many uh, so many problems on that side. Um, yeah, it's a it's a wild wild game, and Amazon is going to be the um, you know I think the bellwether of this whole thing. But um, you know, Directv having some problems with this certainly you know suggests, and it's already been rumored that you know it's likely to be Apple with Amazon. I think still being in that hunt for the Sunday ticket. Uh, moving forward, but it's not, it's certainly nothing that DirecTV wanted to go out with, uh, with some of these problems. So we'll see if they rectify it. As no, because they're going to have a, you know, they're going to have a certain amount of uh, defections regardless. Right. And you want to try to minimize those best you can. Right. Um, but li listen, across the board, um, it does seem, even though we're very much waiting for the final numbers to be announced on Amazon, because that's the new thing. But the but the standard primetime games and national games seem to be doing very, very well. Uh, not completely surprising, but, you know, I think just the strength in both the 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 ratings numbers as well as the ad market just continues to impress. And you just, you know, can't deny that, um, you know, not only is live sports, you know, strong and well, but uh, the NFL just continues to, you know, just be able to just, you know, rake in money when it comes to their ability to deliver big audiences. 
Yeah, they are a behemoth for sure. So in other very big news, um, we have, you know, more owners getting caught and then punished for doing really bad things. Uh, in this case, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver was, was suspended and fined $10 million for what looks to be a pattern of uh, uh, misogyny and sexual harassment and repeated use of the N-word. Um, and Adam Silver has been criticized pretty heavily for this penalty, particularly after he kicked Donald Sterling in 2014 out of the league entirely. So one of the interesting pieces of this story with the Phoenix Suns is that their jersey sponsor, PayPal, has said it will not come back um, unless Sarver retires or otherwise leaves the organization. Um, now, uh, the cynic in me says that that could have been something they were looking to get out of. I mean, these Jersey patch deals are, you know, starting at 5 million. And when you have a top five market like Phoenix that, and a team that's really good, um, I'm sure that number is significantly higher than that. And they could have felt like they wanted to move on. Although it does seem as though they're looking at what the general reaction has been and, uh, the players coming out so strong and, you know, taking a stand on this and say, we don't want to be associated with this team, with this, with what's come out about, uh, about this guy. So help me understand that. So, so one thing I read, which I found utterly absurd was they said, well, it didn't Sarver's uh, actions and words weren't based on uh, being a sexist or a racist. Now, if you <laughs> repeatedly use the N word, if, if, how are you not a racist, right? Yeah. So what Adam Silver said, or what he tried to convey, is that in the investigation, the context in which the word was used was always or only um, reported as being said when he was repeating what someone else was saying. Now, I find that like a very convenient excuse just to use the word. Like I want to use the word, so I'm going to say what Dave Chappelle says. Right. Um, and so he was constantly talking, constantly, I don't know, I shouldn't have used that word, but he was talking fairly regularly about why can, you know, wh why can African-Americans use the N-word? And he would, he would say it like, I don't think it's right to use it. I, I uh, personally, I find when people make that claim <laughs> they tend to just want to say the n-word but right, right. Um, i mean i don't mean to laugh about that but geez i mean how many how many opportunities does he have to hear it in order to be able to repeat it in a later conversation unless he spends in his entire day watching chris rock and dave Chappelle um and listening to uh to gangster rap i i, I don't know how many opportunities he'll have to say it, um, and, and and even then, right? You you don't have to repeat you don't have to repeat it verbatim. But I, maybe you know the answer to this, and which I, I I don't. It's not a rhetorical question. Why is his um, punishment so much less severe than Donald Sterling's was? Is it because of the intent, or what Adam Silver said the intent was in his actions and words? Yeah, it, it was. It was the context with which it was used and that he had to say that it was it was less. Sterling was basically on tape, known, talking like a outright racist. 
um, in a league that is um, predominantly African-American players. And it was, as we all remember, it was that moment for Adam. That was the moment that Adam Silver became the commissioner. He had followed the most popular commissioner in the history of sports in David Stern, and that was the moment he became the guy, and everybody rallied around that. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking at the time, if 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 he put together a list of the first hundred things he would have to deal with, or the hundred most likely things he would have had to like, most likely deal with as an incoming commissioner, dealing with a with a overtly racist owner probably would not have been on that top one hundred list. But he did. He handled it to almost universal support. One of the things that's been interesting about this is is some of the top players have come out very vocally against it, including Chris Paul on his own including Chris Paul, his own team and, you know, a star of his team. Um, And I'm sorry, where did Chris Paul go to school? I I was going to let that one slip, but Uh, but he went to he went to he went to Wake Forest. Good for him. He raised good, good young men coming out of Wake Forest. They stand up for what they believe in. Um, And And by uh, the way, Cornell beat VMI in, in football. So go Big Red. On the weekend, I was in Ithaca, but they were not. They were they not were home. Ithaca College was home, but yeah. by the way, great weekend up in Ithaca. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, this is a bad one. This, <laughs> this is this is this interesting point. We've talked about it a bit with Daniel Snyder and the NFL, and can a commissioner and the other owners rally around and push a guy like Snyder out? I felt they've had all kinds of opportunity to to just say okay this is it we're we're pushing them out with the other owners going to to goodell and and getting that done but let's not for a minute think that you know getting someone out of that club is a an easy thing to do because it's not i mean these guys do work for those owners but the rest of the league seemed to rally very quickly around that so it would seem that it would be possible and the reason that this one seems so you know, has been has been the people have come out against it so strongly, including the number two owner of the team, like yeah. the vice chair, who's the number, you know, the, the the biggest other investor. He said he wants the guy out. He I mean, so if that guy wants him out, it would seem like he doesn't have that much support other than he's the, you know, the general partner and owner of the of the team. And and with that obviously came a huge amount of entitlement thinking he could do and say what he wants. Because by the way, the racial aspect of it, which which seems really bad, um, was was on top of this other just, you know, toxic, uh, uh, misogynistic environment that apparently was there. Right. Uh, I'm not suggesting for a second that his fellow owners are racist or misogynist or sexist or whatever, or that they engage in behavior that's even closely akin to what he what he's been found to do. Uh, however, uh, what I would say is that there may be a certain amount of there but for the grace of God go I idea uh, in terms of hey, if I, you know, if I undercut this guy and support him leaving, you know, him being kicked out, is there going to be anybody around to protect me if I run into an issue? Right. So I don't know. Maybe there's some of that going on. Maybe it's listen, he's paid his dues. Right. Um, and so short of, you know, a violent felony, we can't, we're not going to get rid of somebody. I I don't know what the thinking is, but. Yeah, there's definitely some of that going on. I mean, they, you you know, they never know what, what, what could come out or what could happen in a single incident. Um, you know, everybody is being watched and heard and listened to and followed every second now. 
in a way, I think that's good. I mean, these guys hold these guys actually hold a public trust. I mean, these teams that they own and run are 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 very important to the community. So I think there should be expectation uh, that the owners, um, uh, you know, not someone that uh, you know that holds the kind of feelings that would that would create a, the type of work environment that it seemed like Sarver had there. And it's not like it was a one time little incident. I mean, the report seemed pretty pretty strong. So. You know, Silver is going to have to continue to answer for this. Um, I'm sure he he hopes that somehow Sarver steps down or or some other movement is made where where he removes himself, and he can probably claim that you know that's the way that these things have to be happened, which is what of course Cadell does all the time. It you know it needs to be you know happen at a at the local level. So I, I mean, going back to this PayPal thing, I think it I think it is interesting. I do think sponsors have a big role to play in in pressuring but a single sponsor as important as they are and a big one and on the jersey that patch gets replaced the phoenix suns have a patch partner um if paypal goes away someone they may want to hold out for a good deal if the owner's still in place because of the baggage that's associated there but that deal gets done so as as much as I like to think that sponsors do have some say and to be able to push properties in in certain directions, we've seen this before on the Olympic movement and things like that, with sponsors kind of you know leading the way to make to force change. In this case, you know, not to be too negative on that or or say that they don't have power, but I just think that patch would get replaced pretty quickly. Yeah, the the one thing I would say is if Sarver comes back after a year, and I I can't see, I can't foresee a circumstance in which he. He comes back in in the day-to-day operations of the club, right? Because it's such a toxic work environment. Who would want to continue to work there if and when he returns, right? I mean, um, yeah, there may be some people who will tolerate that because, quite frankly, because probably they're not a, the the target of that misogynistic and racist attitude and and words and actions. Um, but I think you know to have a you know, an optimal workforce, right? The people you want there performing day in and day out, they're, they're going to have a very difficult time staffing up that organization if he comes back into the day-to-day operations of the team. Well, I think they're going to have a difficult time probably staffing for important positions. And I think you can have um, some fallout uh, in some of the key positions. Obviously, every position is important. I didn't mean to say it that way. But, you know, with the with the interest in this industry and working for a team of their stature, you know, I, I think opportunities are, are probably going to be able to be filled. And it happens to be one of the fastest growing cities and has been one of the fastest growing cities in the country for, yeah. for some years. So um, there are a lot of pluses to working for the Phoenix Suns, um, a team that's been very successful on the court and haven't been able to pull that championship in a while. Only for a couple of years, right? Yeah. They went from last to almost first, right? So they, they had some yeah, but, down years, but they have certainly built a product on the court that is uh, going to be vying for championship again this year, most likely. So what do you think? You want to hit a, you want to do a few quick hits before we welcome our guest? Sure. Let's do it. What's, what do you got? Hits. We're about to share some tidbits. Things that didn't make it on the main list Doesn't mean we think they're not worth a sh- There is a, uh, an old NASCAR track in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina that uh, came back to life this year. And uh, they have already announced that next year, one of the big changes to the NASCAR 
Cup Series is going to be that the All-Star Race is going to be held at this this kind of old school great track in North Wilkesboro. So that's a that's an exciting change to go along with the added street race in Chicago, the continuation of the clash in um in at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. Uh, and a few other minor changes, tweaks to this to the schedule, but the rest of it seems to be holding. So I, I was excited to hear that. That um, given that that was the home of uh, of Junior Johnson, and I've spent some time with him in in Wilkesboro. Had a funny story driving to his place one time, getting pulled over by the cops, and uh, going like, "Oh no, I'm in trouble, man. <laughs> I don't know if I speak these guys' language." And um, the guy says, "What are you doing?" And I said. I'm just going to see junior and they go, who are you? And I told them that I work for McDonald's and I ran the motorsports program there. And I happen to have all these autograph cards and we use junior on them. I'm like here. And he goes, we take care of junior around here. So I'm like, he goes, go ahead, just drive a little slower. I'm like, man, that was, <laughs> and I'm horrible at that by the way, but it worked that time. So no, um, part of my memory of North Wilkesboro area and, uh, which is where junior was from. And as you know, being a Springsteen fan referenced in a Springsteen song and a, yeah. a Tom Wolf story. And, uh, anyway, cool to see racing come back to, uh, to that great track, uh, for the all-star race. I think the drivers will be really excited about it. So did you deliberately not mention the name of the song to try to put me on the spot or are you just being um, coy? With no, I think, I think I was, it was my ability to like pull it as quickly as you would have been able to. It's, um, Cadillac yeah, Ranch. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Running through yeah. the woods. Yeah. Running yeah. through the woods in North Carolina. Yeah. Junior Johnson running through the woods in North Carolina of Caroline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Junior Johnson. Yep. That's it. There we go. <laughs> little little known fact about Bruce Springsteen, who wrote about cars and uh, he, working on an assembly line, didn't get his license till he was like twenty six, and tells a story drive. about the only real job he ever had in his life was painting his his uncle's uh, roof to save money for his first guitar. And he says the last real job, I, honest job I ever had. Yeah, he drove back and forth across the country with a couple guys several times without a license. He didn't even know how to drive, but he like put him behind the wheel going cross country. And it was, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think he went through the uh, rattlesnake speedway in the Utah desert. If I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken. All right, let's do it. <laughs> when we ever have a show, when without a guest, we'll like do a whole segment on just like, do you ever notice that our reference quick... Bruce Springsteen lines? Do you ever notice that our quick hits take longer than? Yeah, they're not so quick things? anymore. No, they're not. <laughs> All right, so your your quick hit. So, uh, so I have two actually, um, and I will keep them quick. The first one is really bad initial reviews for um, the soft opening of Lucille Stadium in Cutter. Um, people were complaining about the bathrooms and the concession lines, and this is going to be the main stadium for. The upcoming World Cup. What I will say is, I don't know of a stadium that doesn't have issues like that the first time it opens its gates to a fully attended event, right? Just to one extent or another. So I wouldn't worry too much about it that at this point. Um, and the other quick hit, I wanted to give it um, a shout out to um, the founder of Patagonia, uh, Yvonne Chernard, um, who gave away the company to a trust. That will um, that will take the proceeds, the profits um, for environmental and and climate issues. I think uh, what a phenomenally 
generous and altruistic thing to to do and so on brand on for, brand like for you patagonia can't right? so we're, so we're on brand, brand guys right so that on is brand. you can't get much more authentic than that so yeah. um very, touche, very how do you what, what would you say in in french to give him congratulations now you're dropping now you're dropping french on me i stopped my duolingo french stuff you know three months into the pandemic um <laughs> Hey, one more quick hit, just because I think this sure. is a really funny story. And that's the Luka Doncic and his mom trademark suit going on where he is trying to reclaim, or not reclaim, he's trying to get back uh, a mark, um, the Luka Doncic, which was originally Luka Doncic 7 logo that was created when he played for a team, um, a Spanish professional team. And now he wears number 77 for the Mavs. Um, but he's in a fight with his mom to get that trademark. So uh, we wish I wish we had Mike McCann back on and uh, uh, could talk about where that one's going. Mark Cuban, if you're listening, we'd love yeah. to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. Come on as a guest. You know, interesting uh, side uh, light on that. Um, there is some talk in the collectibles and memorabilia industry whether or not Luka Doncic has actually signed all of the autographs on cards that he has been paid to sign or whether his mother signs some of those. And as you can imagine, some of his autograph cards are among the most valuable in the industry. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if she really wants to hold on to that, uh, that trademark, she should say, Luca, you do not want this to get out. If that's the case, I guess. Right. But yeah. Well, we will see. Let's take a break and uh, come back. Talk to you soon. So we are back, um, and for the first time in almost 40 episodes of Wait What, um, we have had a last-minute cancellation from our guests who got caught up with a work commitment. Um, so we're going <laughs> to, David, you and I are going to wing it. Uh, there's no shortage of things to talk about, so I'm not worried about that. But we, honestly, we, uh, we, we script this show out to the second, which is how buttoned up we are. So we are going to have to wing it a little bit, but we, we scripted out to the second two minutes before we go on <laughs> air, and we do. This is this is live to tape, as you will, as, yeah. as they might say, meaning we record it and then basically put it out. Um, and um, uh, you know, there have been a few times where the guests have uh, either come on early and we switch some things around, and or have come on at you know a minute or so late. And uh, we make do and, uh, you know, and piece everything, you know, together for the uh, eventual podcast. But, but but this, you know, it's we record it and then we publish it. Um, so, uh, yeah. But there, as we say, there's never a shortage of news. So we should be able to chat a little bit more. Well, what I would like to do is take you up on your suggestion that we talk about Bruce Springsteen lyrics. I, I have one that follow my logic here and uh -huh. it is related to the show. Right. In the 1984 album, Born in the USA. Right. The, mm -hmm. the hit song, Glory Days. Mm -hmm. He talks about a high school baseball pitcher mm -hmm. who could throw that speedball by you. Make you look like a fool. Yeah. And that lyric has angered me for 38 years. And you know why, right? 
because you don't throw a speed ball in baseball. You throw a fastball. Well, when the you're same number of syllables, it's not like, okay. So, all right, go ahead, Mr. Musician, defend Bruce Springsteen. I will defend. I will defend Springsteen because you're defending the term speedball. Um, yeah, unless I'm you're gonna... talking about drug use, there is no defense Here, for the term speedball. You know, uh, because you know about the his driving thing, I'm assumed you've read his memoir, which I have as well. Okay, uh, or maybe you just knew it. He, it's required reading, there's, by the way. There's no Jersey. You're, there's, you're issued the book. There's no doubt. Out. There's no doubt that he thought of it, and he did not feel. Well, I, of course, there's a doubt. What do I know? I was not in the writing room when Bruce penned that song. Um, but that I'm guessing that he worked it, and it just didn't feel right to him. Sometimes words, even if they're the same syllables, just don't work right. Um, you know, and you know, I can say that from my hit songwriting experience, of course. Yeah, of course um, you can. But I, I'm, I'm um, no, I, what, no, what I, I, I hear you, and it is a weird phrase um, to use. And Bruce, if you remember the video, it's not exactly like he looked like he'd ever actually pitched either. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, no, as um, a pitcher, he's a really good songwriter. Um, <laughs> but it well, doesn't it doesn't bother me as much as another baseball theme song okay i've got another baseball theme song that bothers me as well and i'm curious which one that you're going to say do first. you want to go first no i want you to go first because i'll be really impressed if you go to this one okay so mine is center field by john Fogarty. oh yeah so when he goes uh look at me i can be center field Right. You don't you you, right. you play center field. You know who says I'll be center field? The eight year old who's playing baseball for the first time. I'll be center field. Right? You don't once again. And again, now I understand <laughs> I understand from uh that would sound weird. Uh, look at me, I can play center field. Might sound a little but yeah. I can be center field. Right, right. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That was that was a little peculiar. I'm going to go to a different genre. I'm going out of rock and roll for a second. OK, um, I'm going to go. I'm going Broadway. I'm going there. I'm going. Which, oh, oh, wait. I'm, I'm Are you going, going damn Yankees. I'm going not going damn Yankees because oh, I'm not as familiar with that. Show that's an amazing show. If, you, I, if anybody likes 50s musicals. And Lord I was always knows I love my own. I love my 50s musicals. Go on, I was always bothered by the song in West Side Story and the lyrics of West Side Story, of course, were written by Stephen Sondheim. Music in that case was Leonard Bernstein. But he has a Tony has a song where he's talking about, you know, great things coming. Who knows? You know, and he, he has a line where he goes. Um, uh, he says one handed catch. And it just, you know, it, it just like he was going back to make, and it just seemed like a very awkward baseball phrase. Like that's not mm -hmm. how you'd say it. In, right. In, and if you're going it. back on a fly ball, you're right. going to catch with one hand. Naturally. Right. Yeah. But it's just, so you don't have to see, it just seemed odd. I always felt that that was a peculiar, okay. you know, you know, way to do it. But I respect the fact that he, you know, tried to, you know, kind of speak like somebody that might've known baseball. <laughs> And sing about it in in the moment. Are you, you're surprised that Stephen Sondheim and Leonard Bernstein were well versed. They were, yeah, I, you know, I figured they the might have been technique of catching a fans ball. of fans of baseball. I don't know. It's just always that's that lyric always struck me. And listen, who am I to criticize the great lyric writing of Stephen Sondheim, of True. course, um, or for that matter, Bruce Springsteen? Beverly Sills was a huge Mets fan when she was alive. 
So an opera singer. There you go. Uh, and and now in my head, um, the song from Damn Yankees, You Gotta Have Heart, is just playing on an infinite loop right now. So may have to uh, may have to belt that out after we uh, after we sign off just to get it out <laughs> of my system. All so, right. Well, there are a couple other okay, topics well, that we yeah. certainly have well, before that we, we go down, or we can, or we, and we can all, we listen, it's all, I could, I, you and I, I think could, we could talk about anything next and tie it to a Springsteen favorite, song. favorite baseball movie of all time. Go. I would probably say favorite baseball movie is it's tight, but I would probably give it to Field of Dreams, but Field of Dreams is not in my top sports movie of all time, like in my top three of sports movies of all time. But okay. I would put I might put it up there. Um I, I I've seen it probably five more times than the natural, and I I always seem to just see the natural in in like little bits, uh, which I, I find to be an amazing movie, but yeah. I, I need to take it in a few more times before I put it ahead. What about yours? Uh, the natural was going to be up there. Bill Durham. Oh wait a minute! I that I'm thrown off by this whole sequencing tonight, aren't I? Because yeah, I just said I just said my favorite baseball movie is probably Field of Dreams, but it's not my all time favorite sports movie. And Bill Durham is in your favorite yeah, list of favorite. Favorite, <laughs> my two favorite sports <laughs> movies, which I said repeatedly. Maybe in, maybe for, in your for mental, twenty years. Maybe in your <laughs> mental Rolodex. Well. You had it filed under favorite Susan Sarandon. Here's, <laughs> here's, oh, no, I'm like obviously or Kevin having, Costner. Oh no, movies. what I meant to say, it's not my favorite Kevin Costner movie, which yeah. of course would be No Way Out. You know. Oh, course, that's awesome. But, you know what? What, but, what Kevin Costner movie really disappoints me is Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Because overrated. there's not well, there's not even a single dance number in the whole movie. Yes, there is. Yes, well, there is. He he like one night they show him like at the campfire and he's just kind of dancing around. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So, so but, that, he was, but it wasn't with a wolf. Name. Yeah, it I don't think I don't, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think my so. fraternity brother's uh, older sister play, played the female lead in that movie, Mary oh, McDonald. Wow. Yeah she's, yeah of course she's had quite a quite a yeah career. yeah. Um, it was a it was a good movie. I think he was uh, and he won some awards for that. I didn't think his acting was as good. I thought his acting was actually quite good in in. Uh, no way out. So, oh, I thought you thought I thought you were going to say his acting was quite good in the Big Chill, where they showed his wrist. <laughs> right. The um, but uh, my two favorite sports movies. That, uh, again, personally, like personally, a, personally, I think a that performance idiot. was a little stiff. Yeah. <laughs> um, or is Hoosiers? Yeah. And then for comedy, favorite sports movie was Bull Durham because I do think Bull Durham was a fantastic movie, very very funny. Uh -huh. I you know. North Dallas 40. Great football movie. Based loosely on Nick, the Dallas Cowboys of Nick uh, Nolte, Lacey. right? Nick Nolte and Mac Davis. <laughs> baby, baby, don't get hooked don't, on don't me. Don't get hooked on me. He so plays, Mac Davis, uh, it, yeah. it, do we date ourselves at all if we like say that we remember the Mac Davis variety hour or whatever it's called? Well, I would I would say that <laughs> if we remember the Mac Davis comedy hour, nobody else is going to want to date us. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> He was a talent. He was a talent. He was, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he's a five, five tool athlete, as they say, right? Singing, acting. I don't know what the other three are, but 
I think we've done a I think we've done a yeoman's job. Of well, speaking of uh, Kevin Costner movies, he also had a very popular movie called Tin Cup. Yes, and um, I'm not sure where where were they were playing that U.S. Open that uh, that final scene. Were they at Pinehurst or were they in North Carolina for that? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So speaking of North Carolina, um, okay. as mentioned at the opening of the show, uh, Quail Hollow is going to be hosting the President's Cup and. Um, starting Thursday. They're mm -hmm. down there now. And as we know, because of some of the defections of live, both on the U.S. side and the uh, uh, international side, there'll be a few people that are going to be missing from this. And it's going to it's going to primarily affect the internationals because uh, Cam Smith's not going to be playing. And Cam Smith is one of the top, if not the top golfer uh, in the world that has yeah, moved I over to live. Say, uh, safe to assume he would have made the President's Cup. Yeah. Not yeah. defected to live. But, you know, Joaquin Neiman's not going to be there and Mark Leishman's not going to be there. And, uh, you know, a regular on the on the President's Cup team for the internationals was Louis Oosthuizen, and he's not going to be there. Uh, and on the and I don't know if you know, I don't know if uh, if DeChambeau was going to get picked anyways. And obviously, because he injured his eye on the on the rope um this past weekend at the uh at the live event in chicago <laughs> did you see that no no he, i did not he was he put he went he like flopped like lebron he got he was going back um inside the rope and his mm -hmm. caddy held it up but he kind of dropped it as he was ducking his head and it hit him like on the cap and maybe brushed him and he went down like a like a flop like, like a premier a league player. player like a premier league player or lebron in one of his worst moments and then he started <laughs> bitching at everybody it was quite funny so uh, but he was wearing shorts at the time and oh, um uh you know so he may not um he may not have been able to play anyways because uh as he said in the moment um after he said <laughs> what the f guys and uh he said he couldn't see out of his right eye. Well, I hurt uh, my leg this past weekend he, too, so I I wouldn't have been available for the president's. But he went. But yeah, but he you got to watch this, man. He he went down like he was. He went down like Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> and say which it, it continues to be our least slash most favorite subject. Lived off right, a young golfer out of Arizona State, David Puig. Puig is foregoing his senior year at Arizona State to uh, to join Live Golf. Um, not sure that, again, the money is such that, yes, you have to consider it, but he's giving up his senior year. He's foregoing any opportunity to be on the tour. Um, you know, I don't know. There, there's something to be said for, for learning – no pun intended since you what you're just learning the ropes from older players who've come before you. And I just don't know with the players there at the live golf and only playing three, three rounds, you know, how much you're going to absorb if you're a young player like that coming on the tour in live golf, you know, maybe he will, maybe he'll learn how to, and, and what I'm talking about is learning how to be a professional, right. Uh, which is, you know, I think, listen, the sales pitch is obviously has worked um, and has been impressive. And there is a unbelievable, uh, uh, effort on their part on the social media side. Um, people signed up. I don't know if you'd call them influencers or just people that are signed up, or maybe it's all Greg Norman with 80 different um, handles. Um, <laughs> like John, uh, what was it? John Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, pushing a lot of stuff out and there's pictures of, of them partying and Pat Perez is just seemingly having the time of his life. 
and um uh and i think he broke 80 i think this past week once so there's that um and well listen so, i would in its defense i would celebrate if i broke 80 too. i would oh yeah and and <laughs> and make the kind of millions that he's making for sure um but yeah no the pitch seems to be good and the thing that they are going to have to contend with is are the official world golf rankings going to start ranking them all the players signed a letter a very long letter uh to the owgr and said you have to rank us you rank all these other tours all over the world you know why you know we have we have some of the top players we have players that have been in the top spot multiple players that have been in the top spot are playing on our tour how do you not rank us the challenge they have is they play 54 hole no cut events and yeah. that's not what the ranking system has, has has said you have to do to um to get to get ranked so i don't know if they're prepared to make those changes or they'll have to capitulate because they definitely do have good golfers on there. Now the environment's completely different than a tour event. Um, and so I don't know, you know, people say it's not competitive and they don't have anything to play for. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think they're not trying. They have um, huge purses to play for. They, they have huge purses to play for, but they, for the most part have already signed on with a lot of money. But yes. so the, the, the thing is, is if this guy can't play on, either of the tours or the, either of the main tours, I shouldn't say, obviously there are other tours, but the, but the, the you know, the U S based PGA tour and the DP world tour, um, and then not be able to generate ranking points or, or points, um, to be invited to majors. I mean, that's a, that for a young guy seems to be an interesting choice unless he's betting on the fact and, and Greg is selling them all on, um, that, that, that that's going to change and they're going to get it. And the, the weight will be such that they'll have to start recognizing it. Yeah, but if he also, yeah, he also came out and said that there's multiple networks that are bidding for their broadcast rights. And I'm sure there are some streamers who are looking at it. Well, Amazon and Apple both said, no, said it's too toxic for us to touch. It right. Yeah. Now. CBS, NBC, ESPN won't. Right. Fox you know, because of the leanings of the of the network, at least on the news side, might lend itself. But they but they got out of golf because they didn't see how to make money on it, and, and their and their and their productions were absolutely horrible, if you recall. And who is a color commentator? Yeah, oh, it was yeah. one one uh, shark. Yeah, Greg Norman. Great. So, so even Fox, right, which doesn't yeah. have a golf property right now, um, may not want to touch it. Right. And the guy that was their lead golf play-by-play uh, -play guy has jumped to ESPN. Yep. So, yes, I listen, I think Fox Sports has done a pretty – Fox Sports is a fabulous sports production unit. They know how to – they are really oh, good yeah. at what they do. They're really good at what they do. They definitely did have some problems on the on the golf side. Um and they've done a good job. They they've they've kept a, a you know a nice solid wall between you know the the news side of their operation um, and the various channels they have there and the rest of the media empire. I think not so much on the on the you know the print side because that obviously kind of uh, leans with the way their their um, broadcast news outlets do. But the sports side, it's never it's never come up. But just so you know, you know who's doing the television for Live or who's who's the production planner and consultant for for Live is David Hill, is the yeah. former Fox Sports chief, and brilliant by the way. Um, 
And they are definitely trying some things that are interesting. They're able to show more shots because everybody's on the course at the same time. Um, there's something to that from a shotgun start. It doesn't feel like a normal tournament to me at all, but there's something to it from a, from a, you know, a, viewing standpoint that I can see could be appealing. I still haven't gotten the whole team scores and the leaderboard thing just doesn't work for me. But um, I, I, you know, back to this point about this, this player coming out and signing them, I just, you know, I guess it depends on what is, what his ambitions are. And we all have different ambitions and that's totally cool. Um, if he wants to take the money now, you don't know how good you're going to be uh, when it gets to the tour. But um, there's a possibility that that he's not able to play in these events. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, some of the guys that have, you know, that have, you know, Dustin Johnson won the Masters. I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to preclude him from playing. Phil Mickelson won the Masters three times. If he wants to play in it, you know, he's a past champion. And other people that have qualified, I don't know. But as you have said on this show, um, the Masters will do what the Masters, you know, Augusta National will do what they want to do. Yeah. You know, interestingly, um, a number of the players, including Phil Mickelson, are saying they may back out of the lawsuit against the PGA Tour. They're, they're, Publicly stated reasons are um, because they they feel like if because live golf is a is a plaintiff in the suit now they may not have to be involved as individuals but some of it may be to protect themselves um, you know from from uh, you know any any additional sort of backlash should should they want to get back into the good graces of the tour but it'll be interesting to see that as well and again I. I I can imagine us, uh, I can envision us having Mike McCann, the lawyer, not Mike McCann, the Amazon guy, um, back on the show at some point in the next couple of years when that works its way through the legal system. So, right. So you want to talk a lot of, a little bit more happy news and all the, uh, what's the, the Meshuggah live golf stuff. There you uh, go. The, the WNBA. Yeah. Um, uh, let's give a shout out. Most watch playoffs in 20 years. Congrats, Kathy Engelbert, former yeah, guest on former guest. Week right. One. Very cool moment, by the way, at the Raiders game when they announced that the Aces had won the championship. And- they actually put it up on the Jumbotron. Yeah. So and, and so, yeah. So I want to talk about uh, Becky Hammond in a minute, but a 16% increase in regular season viewership, uh, 18% viewership increase in the playoffs. Um, they did very well on that Sunday where they went against the NFL. So it seems like they're carving out their audience. Um, and not surprisingly, there's maybe uh, not too much of a crossover with NFL fans. Um, but um, I think nobody likes to go against the NFL in terms of programming. Uh, but they held their own, and they did they did very well. So uh, kudos to, to Becky Hammond, who gave up um, a, a job as an assistant, long-term assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs um, to take the Aces to their first ever um, WNBA championship in her first year as a head coach. I, you, you know, I like to make predictions. Um, my prediction is Bec- Becky Hammond will be the first female coach in the NBA. Maybe not next year, but um, eventually. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I think it's actually quite remarkable because it, you know there were a lot of people that scratched their head at when you know Popovich brought her on and she assumed that role. Um, and you know he's been so strong on issues like that. And what, and I think she proved herself. Um, there was no fluke. There was no other reason other than that she would be good for the team. 
And then I think she kind of proved her worth here in first year going and leading a team uh, to to a championship. So yeah. I, I think it's an After unbelievable the best story. Best right. uh, start in league history, if you recall back to the beginning uh, of the year. Yeah. yeah, it's a great story. And listen, you know, there are coaches who never played the game at a high level. Lawrence Frank was a was a team manager under Bobby Knight at Indiana, right? And went on to become an NBA coach, right? He learned he learned the game. Um, and Becky Hammond was a player and was an outstanding player in, in the WNBA. And yeah, there are different, you know, there are different uh, strategies and, and 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 styles of play in those two leagues. But it's basketball is basketball, and she knows the game. So yeah, the trends are 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 right. And you know, listen, the numbers are the numbers are are smaller. We're not making a comparison to say the NBA here uh, in terms of the overall numbers, but the trends are good, and they're are several reasons. Some of that is, I think, effective management. Some of that is, uh, is the development of some, some, you know, good stars. Um, and you, you know, you have a broadcast partner in ESPN that is covering the sport in a more regular basis on their regular news. And, and it's been said many times, and we've talked about it here, um, that as, as certain coverage just increases just slightly, um, there's a chance that that could drive. And I think we're seeing some of that. And I'm not saying that, that it's say ESPN coverage of it in the, you know, in the, in the same shows as they're covering the NFL and major league baseball and the NBA is necessarily the driver, but I think it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, and then you get the product on the, on the court getting, getting better. Uh, you get stronger ownership commitment from owners, uh, to market, uh, more talented people in the front office. Um, and being able to get coaches like this into the game. I mean, it, it, it's a nice story. And all of the things that Kathy talked to us about when we were fortunate to have her on the show um, some months ago. Yeah. Let's not, let's not forget to mention that uh, Brittany Griner still remains in a prison in, in Russia. And we continue to hope that the diplomatic channels are open between the two countries and that she and other people who are wrongfully detained there come home soon. But Hate to bring it down, but again, we don't want to lose focus on something that is much more important than the world of sports, which is this young woman's freedom. Right. So, with that, you want to take another break, and then we'll uh, and then we'll talk about what we're looking forward to. That sounds good. Okay. All right, so we're back, and this is the time of the show where we look forward. Um, to the next week or so. So, uh, David, what are you uh, what are you excited to to follow and and look forward to over the next week? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I'm I would say I'm that excited because I do think the quality of play, while it'll be good, won't be what we have come to expect from a President's Cup. Uh, although I am looking forward to um, seeing Max Homa, who I've just really come to like this this uh, young player who won again right up uh, leading. He, he won another, he won back-to-back tournaments again leading into the President's Cup. And I think he's carrying a bit of a chip on his shoulders because a lot of people have been coming at him saying, you're not on this team if some of these other uh, U.S.-based players hadn't jumped to live. And, you know, I think he went out and said, okay, I'm going to win this tournament. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes in kind of on a high and um, you know we'll uh, we'll see how the other other guys play for for Davis Love, um, who played his college golf at the University of North Carolina. So yeah. it's um, was a sweet uh, mate of Michael Jordan's. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I do plan to I do plan to watch some of that. So what about you? So like most baseball fans, 
for many baseball fans, I should say, I'm going to be watching two two home run chases, right? Um, Aaron Judge looking to break the American League record held by Roger Maris, as any baseball fan worth his salt will, would know, is 61 home runs. And um, Albert Pujols and his... Uh, his quest for 700, it looks like he has a good chance of making that as well, which is phenomenal considering, you know, sort of how his play has, I guess I have to say, deteriorated over the last several seasons. And he sort of, he must have gone down to St. Augustine and and drank from the uh, fountain of youth because his uh, his swan song is, uh, is one in which it's a, a wonder to behold. So I'll be watching those. Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, one of the other things, and I, I see you've commented on this, I tend to be in agreement with you on this debate as to who ends up as the MVP with people talking, obviously, about Aaron Judge and, and uh, Motani. I think you have it right in what you've said, which is that it's hard to argue that um, that Otani is not the best player, overall player in the in the league. He's amazing. He's done uh, things that, that would, literally yeah, no player in yeah. the history of the game has done. Right. And this game, if you don't know, which I think you do, because we have a very intelligent audience, has been played for a while. But that Aaron Judge is, to say, critical to the, you know, where the Yankees are is is an understatement. I mean, he's he's in a lot of ways carried this team. So seems a little more deserving. Well, I, I think I was a little bit more blunt when I said, you know, with or without Otani, the Angels suck. <laughs> yeah. Right, they haven't played a meaningful game since May, really, um, since they got off to a hot hot start. The Yankees, with Judge, are you know leading leading um, the American League East basically from you know flag to flag, and without him, they'd be a mediocre team at best. So, to me, that's the definition of most valuable, right? Um, you know, if you want to create another award, best player, yeah, by all means. Agreed. Give it to Otani. To me, most valuable is most valuable to his team. I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. So with that, let's say uh, let's say goodbye. We want to thank you, our listeners. You, uh, you make the show what it is. We appreciate your feedback. Please feel free to share it on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, whatever your preferred social media platform is. You can find us on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. So until next week, I'm McGee, he's DP, and thanks for listening.